Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on end. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, Brad, we are back with the Thompson to Clark podcast. Things are slightly, ever so slightly starting to pick up. We have news of free agency pickup. There's talk about prospects and the Baseball America prospects list came out. So things are getting ever so closely to, you know, where we're where we get excited about the beginning of the season. How how many how many days left until spring training? Well, uh, as of the Today, we're uh, doing this on a Tuesday night on uh, January 19th. We are 39 days away from the um, uh, first spring training game. And I believe we're about 28. This is according to John Miller's Instagram post today. <laughs> we are 28 days away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, so that's always exciting. You always know because when the, as soon as the Super Bowl ends, and yeah. the Super Bowl is actually late this year. It's February 7th, I think. Um, so pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting like seven days after the Super Bowl ends. Uh, so then we're going to start getting some more news. And and you remember when, when pitchers and catchers reported when we were kids? Mm-hmm. You didn't know. I mean, you, yeah. you, you knew they reported, but you really didn't get much information because mm-hmm. the time that they reported and then the position players started reporting, um, you know, if you were Barry Bonds, you just showed up whenever. Yeah. And, and, and from that time until the time they actually started playing games, you didn't really know. And then even once they started playing games, those games weren't on TV. Uh, so that was all box score stuff. And it was just basically like starting pitcher. I mean, yeah, you'd you get know. a game on KMBR every once in a while. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And we still get that. And, um, you know, and, and there was a chalk talk on uh, YouTube. Um, San Francisco Giants host a chalk talk. This this latest one was uh, with uh, Kruk and Kipe and John Miller and Fleming. Uh, and then they had Larry Bear on for a moment or two. And then they had Mauricio Dubon. But they were talking about coming up. They don't even know you know, the first game is usually one that they put on the air on uh, KNBR. Uh, they don't even know if they're going to be doing that. And that's uh, February 28th, I believe, is the first uh, spring training game. They don't even know if they're going to be broadcasting on that on the air or or what the situation is now. That's, that's how kind of up in the air everything is right now. So we're in that slow crawl to get there. But we don't even have any answers to half the stuff that's going to, you know, kick off the season like it normally does so yeah yeah that's that's rough especially because um the other sports were able to start on time they were they had their plans like basketball basketball is only uh they only have half of the season scheduled out because they want to see how the first half goes and then they'll schedule out the second half but it it is it does bother me and I, i don't know if there is something about major league baseball that makes it a little bit harder but it just seems like the leadership with major league baseball is just so up in the air i i I don't know when i was younger it didn't feel like baseball was the one behind the curve it felt like the other sports were the one behind the curve no and baseball and that's why baseball had so many strikes because the ownership uh the leadership of baseball they would stick to their guns they would say this is how it is going to be this is what we want this is what we're going to do and that's why you had the strikes that you had 81 94 um you know, we, we all, we had the threat of another one in the mid two thousands. Um, but, but I think, yeah, now it kind of seems like, eh, I don't know. I mean, are we going to have a DH mm, in the national league? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Uh, we're going to start the season on time. Yeah, I think so. Sure. Why not? <laughs> like, come, on, come on, man. This I is know. baseball. This is 162 games. This is playing baseball every day in almost every ballpark in America, uh, or half the ballparks. Cause you had the travel teams, but, but either way, you've got a game every single day. It's not like the NFL where it's like, well, we have seven days in between to figure it out yeah. or, or basketball where it's like, you know, three games a week, um, you know, a little bit in, in between time and whatnot. This is, there's a lot of planning that needs to go in. So it's just kind of shocking that we don't have more, uh, a better idea of how we're going to start the season and how it's all going to play out. 
All right. I want to we'll come back to the chalk talk to see if there's any other news or information that came out of that. Uh, but I wanted to mention uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening. We missed our Monday mark because of the holiday. Um, but Don Sutton passed away earlier today, or at least it was announced. I don't know exactly when he passed away, but his son uh, tweeted about uh, about Don passing away. And so Don's career is before you and I, like when he was really good, it was before you and I even started watching baseball. What do you remember of Don Sutton? What I remember about Don Sutton um, is basically, I, I remember the domination. Everybody talked about Don Sutton in a dominating way. Uh, so going back and just kind of looking at some numbers, uh, from 72 to 76, he was a top five uh, Cy Young Award candidate uh, from, from 72 to 76. I mean, one of the best pitchers in baseball for the Dodgers. Um, but what I remember about Don Sutton, and, and growing up, I was in a weird area of Santa Clara where we didn't have cable. So I think you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. So when I go to other people's houses, I got to hear Don Sutton call game mm-hmm. for the Braves on TBS. Um, but I didn't, I never got that in my house because we just did just down our street. We didn't have it. We finally got direct TV in 1995, I think it was. Um, so, so my memories of Don Sutton growing up were, you know, the baseball cards. I was a big collector. So I had all that. I had a, a Stratomatic baseball game. Remember with the cards? Um, oh yeah, and, uh, yeah, and then you and then you played and you rolled the dice and everything else. Don Sutton was always one of those ones you had to have because he was so dominating with his numbers. Um, but that's what I remember about him. I, you know, I, I so many pitchers that I wish we could have seen in their prime, like Sutton and Jim Palmer. A lot of these guys, I wish we could have just seen them. Uh, you know, more in this pitching era of baseball in in the 70s 60s 70s where pitchers were the dominating factor um when we finally kind of got into it you know around the mid 80s it became you know balls were flying out of the ballpark and Mm -hmm. pitchers were trying to keep an era around four four was good right 3.98 was good but look at sutton's numbers in uh 72 his era was 2.08 yeah And, and he didn't win the cy young he finished fifth in voting because that year the uh, Cy Young Award winner was Steve Carlton. And Pretty crazy that he didn't ever win a Cy Young. Yeah, but Carlton... As, as a Hall of Famer, he didn't yeah, win a Cy Young. Exactly. Top five voting five years in a row. Just didn't get it. But but look at the guys he had in front of him, though. Guys who, who also didn't win it. with Tom Seaver, Gary Nolan, Mike Marshall, Fergie Jenkins, and Steve Carlton won it in, in that particular year. Um with a hundred percent of the first place votes, of course, he pitched 346 innings, right? 346 innings. There's nobody that's going to do that in this era of baseball and struck out 310. So he was just a dominating factor, but Don Sutton, I mean, looking at what he did that year and that was, uh, we're taking 1972 here. He was 19 and nine with a 2.08 ERA, almost through 300 innings, went 272, struck out 207. But that, I mean, that today would win you a Cy Young. Nine shutouts. Oh, that's just ridiculous. You know, the the thing that I remember, so I would have started watching, if, I, if I'm correct on this, I probably would have seen him for the California Angels here and there, because he did pitch for them in mm-hmm. the mid to 85, 86, 87. So that would have been, for me, the uh, the years that I would have remembered him from. And then, you know, we, we're, we're reading about history and stuff as we're kids. And then you go back and you go, oh, just previously a few years back. Like, I I used to always find it amazing. Like, I would, you know, in my brain, like, Major League Baseball started in 1984. And then, you know, you go back a couple years and you see old videotape of, like, a couple years ago. You're like, oh, wow. Like, I never saw this stuff. But then when the ESPN, uh, they would have, like, these World Series um, videos. And so then you'd see him on the Dodgers and and so going even back further but but like you what I where I remember him most is as a fairly 
unexcited announcer for the Atlanta Braves. Like, yeah, he that didn't was have personality. Style. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. uh, Skip Carey and and those guys, they were very monotone. Like yes. they, you know, they didn't really get up or, or down for much. But yeah, that's what that's what I remember him from too. But it was it was. Uh, you know, I know he, he Hall of Famer was seventy five. Died today, seventy five. Ah, still kind of bothers me when people don't get into their eighties. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. I I do remember the California Angels years. Um, and God, one of those years, he had a really good year. It was uh, nineteen eighty six. He was forty one. And he went 15 and 11. And that 86 Angels team was a great team. That was mm-hmm. the team that uh, ended up losing in the um, uh, American League Championship Series to the Dave Red Anderson Sox. home run. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was that was a great year. He went 15 and 11, 3.74 ERA, pitched 200 innings at 41 years old. I mean, God, I can't even imagine pitching like, you know, at that age. I couldn't even pitch like 20. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely throw like 30 balls before my shoulders feel like it's gonna <laughs> yeah, fall off exactly so well well uh, well uh oiled machines these guys were right <laughs> oh yeah i born to do it yeah um okay so uh yeah so rest in peace to don sutton um one thing i wanted to mention is darren chan who is the kmbr uh, I guess he, I, I, I have to ask him if he works for technically if he works for KMBR or if he works for the Giants, but he does. He's the sound engineer for all the Giants games. And he and I have been back. Not, not we haven't been in communication that much about it, but I had, once the season had started, I pinged him and I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to get you on during the offseason because I'm so interested in how different your job is during the pandemic. So he said that uh, he's totally down for an interview. So I'll probably talk to him, hopefully, uh, before the next show. And then I can play that interview with him. And uh, we'll, I'll put that on on our show. So let's get back to Chalk Talk. You had mentioned that you watched the video. Is there Was there any insight, any news that, that came out of that conversation? Well, really the big stuff. So they talked to Larry Bear uh, at the beginning of the uh, broadcast. And it's really cool. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. I think it was broadcast live on Zoom for uh, season ticket holders. And season mm. ticket holders got to send in questions. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it was really neat. But then they rebroadcast it on, on YouTube. Just, you know, here you can watch it. This was on last night. Here it is. So it's about a little over an hour. And it was really awesome. Um a little bit of the stuff that I got from it. Uh, they did ask Larry Bear about um, uh, starting uh, camp. And he said, you know, they're, they're looking at mid-February for the start of camp. Uh, late March uh, will be opening day. So everything is kind of on schedule. The major and minor league camps, they're looking at uh, Major League Baseball is going to do those separately this year. So do we see Joey Bart? I mean, those are the questions we're going to see. Do we see Joey Bart? Do we see Ramos? Do we see Luciano? Um, Hunter Bishop, do we see any of these guys, uh, if they get invites to the big league camp? Yes. But if they're separate in the minor league camp, uh, we won't see them. Uh, they, they won't intermingle and they're going to start later with a minor league camp, which obviously means the minor league baseball season will also start later. So you, 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 what I got from that is you could probably, uh, expect a shortened major or minor league baseball season um, because around September 1st is when they start doing the call-ups and that's when they kind of wind things down in the minor league season. I can't see them really pushing that out because um, then you start getting into the situation, well, you know, for the minor leagues, well, why are we still playing at this point, especially AAA? Why are we still playing? Uh, yeah, we're playing for championships and whatnot, but, but you know, four or five of our star players are gone. They went up to the camp and we still have three or four weeks left of the season. So, so I would think you're going to be seeing a shortened minor league season from that. So when they do these chalk talks because they have so many of the broadcasters like who runs the show <laughs> so so this one was run by Fleming the the cool thing about it um, <laughs> they actually it was sponsored by uh, by a particular coffee company I'm not gonna give them a plug on here but <laughs> it was uh, sponsored by a particular uh, uh, coffee company so he broke in and did a couple of those um, you know quick little spots for them oh, and, okay. and, and the other guys held up the, the mugs with the logos <laughs> on and stuff 
<laughs> so it was really entertaining. I mean, if you miss if you miss those guys like we do, definitely check it out because it was absolutely entertaining. Um, some other things they talked about, you know, like Larry Bear was saying, they're still trying to figure out protocol for fans. Um, are they going to be able to go to spring training? Well, Arizona and Florida are much looser with their protocols than anybody else is. But that's when Major League Baseball has to step in and say, yeah, but these are our players. We don't want them to miss any time. We don't want them to be cl- too close to the fans. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, they're still trying to figure that stuff out. But right now they're planning to start and see where it goes. So I, I messed up earlier. I said February 28th is the first spring game. It's actually February 27th. Um, and that's what I was saying. The broadcasters, like even, you know, John Miller was saying that we usually do that game. And we usually do the first game on KMBR, but we haven't been told if we're going down there, where we're going. Is it going to be in San Francisco? Is it going to be in Arizona? We, we have no idea where any of this is going to happen mm-hmm. or how it's going to happen. It's January 19th as we're recording this <laughs> right now. Right? That's, that's about five weeks away um, from seeing a full camp and having a spring training game start. So that's pretty crazy. That's the, you know, just listening to that, I thought, Oh man, this doesn't sound great. (laughs) So like I mentioned, the, uh, the giants pick somebody up in free agency. We've been talking about, you know, they have a full right-handed starting staff. Are they going to get a lefty? Well, they did. They got Alex Wood. Is he related to Ted Wood? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I sure as hell hope so. Giants great. <laughs> I want to see Ted Wood. Wood hanging around the park this year. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what what are your thoughts, on Alex Wood? I know today, just today, he was saying how last year when he re-signed with the Dodgers, um, it was between the Giants and the Dodgers. So he he was looking at the team last year, and then he really likes what the what the pitching or the coaching staff has done with uh, with the pitching, and and so he's now a part of the Giants, and I. Think I think uh, Zadie said that he's got like a f- he's got like funky delivery and funky stuff. So we're gonna see Alex Funky Wood. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and to be honest, now I can say it because he's not a Dodger. I love this move. I've been an Alex Wood fan for a while, playing fantasy baseball. You and I play fantasy baseball all the time every year. Been playing it for years. He's one of those guys that I would always try to grab early in the drafts when he was doing really well with the Dodgers before he went to the Reds and came back to the Dodgers. Um, he had a couple of really good seasons with very low ERAs. Mm-hmm. He's a very deceptive left-hander. He's 30 years old, so it's a one-year deal, $3 million, uh, plus $3 million in bonuses. And you texted me. I didn't know about these <laughs> crazy bonuses, so tell everybody about these crazy bonuses. Well, now, now i got to go back to no. the text that I sent you. <laughs> so it had to do with... Um, with how uh, some the the innings uh, per start, right? Because yeah, this is uh, new baseball. This is yeah. like uh, this is like the contract when you get that you get in twenty twenty one for sure. This is new baseball that we're not used to, right? Because you now have um, you now have openers uh, in 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 baseball today, so. It's based on, I think it's based on something like how many times he goes five innings or something like that. Like, let me, uh, let me, see I think I it was a up the ten, 10 outs, right? Okay, here we go. Yeah, I found it. Um, he agreed to a one year, $3 million contract with unique incentives that could earn him as much as five or three million more. The bonuses are based on games in which he records at least 10 outs. Yeah, so that's only three, three and a third innings. Three and a third. Um, you could not that. simply game started and he would receive a maximum payout with 30 games in which he got to 10 outs per game. That's that's an interesting way to do it for sure. So if you've got if you've got a, an opener who goes right first inning and then Wood comes in in the second inning pitches more than three and a third, he's got a bonus. Yeah. So, so it's not based on game started because that that's how it used to be. It was like, you know, if you start 20 games this season, you're, here's your $2 million bonus. We can't do that anymore, especially this day and age. With You see the way the pitchers are handled. I mean, we talked about Don Sutton's numbers. You're not gonna, yeah. With that, that one year, he had the nine shutouts. He had 18 complete games. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like, I, Don Sutton got somebody got, would, <laughs> he would, he would have got paid uh, a lot of money. Well, for sure. Baseball. And, and try to find a guy who goes like, you know, five complete games nowadays and mm-hmm. it's really hard to find. So, but I, I like, I like this signing. Uh, we needed a left-hander. We were right-handed dominant uh, starting rotation to the point where we didn't even have a left-hander. Yeah. Um, but the way the giants have worked it last year and the way they're probably going to work it this year, as you can, you know, it's telegraphed by this, <laughs> by this deal right here. Um, they'll probably be looking for another left-hander. Uh, John Lester just signed. Um, where did Lester go? Nationals? Yeah, Nationals. Or, yeah. So that's one left-hander that the Giants were looking at. He's off the board. Uh, but there there are some other ones out there that could go, you know, three, four, five innings and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but I think what you're going to see this coming year from the Giants, and, and I don't know about other organizations, but you're going to see, um, like they talked about, you're going to see them lining up rotations like they did last year. So if you're going on the road and you're facing, let's say, a Pirates team that has a really tough time against left-handers, well, you kind of hang on to Wood. Wood doesn't pitch in the series before, and then he goes in the next series, and you get another left-hander uh, that the Giants don't normally start, but maybe he goes you know, mm-hmm. twice through the lineup and whatnot. So you're going to see a lot of... Uh, you're just going to kind of see what the Giants did last year. You're going to see that develop a little bit more. Um, and maybe we'll actually get a, a real feel for what's happening. We can start predicting who's going to start games because we couldn't do that last year. That was kind of tough to do. <laughs> I remember we would do a, a podcast and we say, okay, I think this coming series, it's, uh, you know, Gossman and then Smiley. And, this, <laughs> and then it would be none of those guys. And we're like, well, okay, we'll do that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think um, Kapler like he wouldn't even say who the starter was until right. a couple hours before the game. And he's like, Oh, gamesmanship. And the other manager's like, sure. Gamesmanship. <laughs> sure. sure. You jerk. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I think it's fun. It, it has injected something into baseball. Um, you know, I'm an old school guy. I'm turning, I, I turned 48 in the middle of the season, this coming season. And, uh, but but I like this. I mean, I'm really enjoying this. I enjoyed the larger um, uh, playoff um, mm-hmm. spread that we had this last time out. I mean, how exciting was that? You and I are texting each other. You know, there's what five games on. <laughs> yeah. During the day, I had that I had that ESPN Plus thing where they had like five boxes and you had all the games going at once in in each box. It was kind of cool. That was so fun. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping, and again, we don't even know, we talk about, we don't know what's happening this year. We don't even know how many playoff teams that there are going to be. Yeah. It doesn't look like they're going to do what they did last year, but definitely not. But do they open it up to one more? Um, I don't know. I mean, the the, NFL, it's possible, but the CBA, um, with that in place until the end of the season. Now, when this season ends, that's when all the fun stuff's going to start happening. National League DH. Uh, yeah. Two more playoff spots, maybe, per league. Um, I would... I mean, it, it, maybe it's just me, but I, I want to see all this happen. But please just ditch interleague play. I, mm. I just... I, that's the one thing I've never really accepted and caught on to when the Giants have to play the Rays in the middle of July. That's... Yeah kind of kills momentum. I'd rather see them play the Padres or the Dodgers in the middle of July. Yeah. I mean, you know, when when we were growing up, the all-star game was such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then interleague play happened and then no one cared about the all-star game anymore. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there was goofy stuff. Like you had a game where there was like no winner and it ended up in a tie and, (laughs) and stuff like that. But still, you know, when I, you know, when I'm, gosh, I would have, I would have on VHS, (laughs) <laughs> to really age us, I would have had 85 through like 94, all the all-star games on video cassette. So I, I think I still have 89 and I think I tried to get it to play like two or three months ago. Cause I was going to try to digitize it. That was the, uh, that was Rick Russell. Given Bo Jackson jacks. and Wade Boggs. <laughs> yes, Wade Boggs and Bo Jackson. <laughs> Wade Boggs was a, I mean, that one was like, come on. 
<laughs> give up a home run to Wade Boggs. Yeah. And then Bo Jackson, you're like, well, that's Bo Jackson. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Big Daddy didn't have a great game that uh, that day. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about these prospects on the top 100 Baseball America's list. Now, Baseball America is a subscription-based website, so I don't even know how they rank them. But uh, Joey Bart, Lucky Luciano, and Ramos were on that list. The MLB put out their own list of top 100, and the Giants on that list were Joey Bart at number 11, Luciano at 29, Ramos at 60, and then Hunter Bishop at 66, and Seth Corey at 94. So they had five of the top 100 on the MLB list and three on the Baseball Americas list. I was, I, I mean, I have no idea as far as, you know, what Ramos at 60 and Bishop at 66 really means compared to some of the people in the top 30. Like, I don't really know the algorithms and everything that is involved in putting this list together. But I always assumed that Luciano was the Giants' number one prospect, even though Bart has been kind of like the dandy. But Bart is their number one prospect, according to MLB's list. And the immediate thing, when you see, you know, five in the top 100, you go, hmm, I wonder what we could get for those guys. But this year is probably not really the year to do that. We've, we've sort of been looking at 2022 as the year because all of that money comes off the books. But you look at what the Padres are doing. They just traded for another arm, uh, Musgrave. I've, I don't, I mean, it seems like they gave up kind of a lot. I don't know. But, um, you know, that, 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 those are some of the, the trades that you can make if you're the Giants in a few years as you keep building up, up this farm system and as you, uh, you know, you, you grow that team and you make them competitive, you, you know, the, but the Padres have one of the best farm systems in baseball, so they're able to do stuff like that without giving up, you know, their top 100 guys. But it was interesting because... I'm sort of like thinking, wow, you know, in two or three years, the Giants will have, you know, a Bart, a Luciano, a Ramos, and maybe they're the guys you hold on to. And then there are other guys that they draft who are kind of in that Joe, we can trade for Joe Musgrave status. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. And, and with Musgrove, he, last year, he, he, you know, shortened season, started eight games, 39 innings, uh, but he struck out 55. So he humped up his fastball and he went from, you know, just kind of uh, K's per nine at like, you know, throughout his career, eight, 8.1, 7.8, 3 And then last year, 12.5. So I think they see, you know, that he's 27 years old. That's kind of the, the age where you say, okay, he's starting to become who he's going to be. Um, so, and, then, and they've got that farm system, man, that, the, you know, the Padres have really just worked up that farm system over the years so they can do that stuff. And yeah, like I said, I'd rather see the Giants just kind of keep building, keep mm -hmm. building that farm system. Um, maybe when these guys start coming up and can get some playing time, then you can make some moves for some like, you know, some some bets, some, some Lindors. Um, but you got to give up guys to get them. Yeah. Um, and you got to give up big names to get them too. So say Luciano comes up um, at shortstop or third base, wherever they end up putting him, and he does well. And he becomes that prospect that they thought, well, I mean, do you hang on to him mm -hmm. or, or are the giants in a position where, well, we're, you know, one left handed bat, one left fielder away from whatever. And, uh, from making the playoffs three years in a row, probably. So we got to move them and then we can just plug in somebody else at shortstop or third. But I, I just don't see like the giants don't have that wealth right now. Yeah. You know, when you look at the list, you, you don't see that, that depth of prospects. Um, so I looked at the baseball America stuff and you gave out the numbers for MLB, yeah. but baseball America has Luciano at number 12. Okay. So that's, that was yeah. more of what I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, so he's at twelve. Bart's at forty-one. And Ramos what, do you have a is subscription. At, What's going on? I missed, no, like, I, found, a post. I found an article that somebody <laughs> like <laughs> pulled the stuff out of. I wasn't going to pay for that. I already paid for enough stuff. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't bad. I was, you know, I looked at it. And I was like, well, five bucks, and I could read the article. But you know, then I'd get hooked, and I'd end up paying yeah. for it forever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ramos is at eighty-three. Um, so yeah, it's, it, and, and then, you know, and there were some flip-flops going into last season. Bart was one, Luciano was two. Well, they flip-flop now, um, coming into this season, Ramos stays at third and, and this is just the Giants, um, farm system. Um, Luis Matos is the one who made the biggest jump. Mm. Um, he, he's gone from the Giants ninth all the way up to fourth. Um, and so that, that's a huge jump. Um, and then to round out the top five, fifth is Kyle Harrison, uh, left-handed pitcher who the Giants drafted this past season. Um, and he pretty much dominated batters in the fall instructional league. I think he struck out like a ridiculous amount of, of batters, but he's throwing 97. And it's going to be a starting left-handed pitcher. So, I mean, the the Giants have that wealth. They're starting to grow that wealth. wealth. But after, like, the top 10, you can look at the names and go, eh. I mean, you know, maybe these guys will be something that can be part of a deal here or there uh, to maybe get some bullpen help later on in the season if they need it. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of how it looks right now. Yeah, you, you you corrected me with my mispronunciation. I got Musgrove uh, mixed up with the old 49ers backup quarterback, Bill Musgrave. <laughs> I thought you were thinking of Casey Musgraves. The oh. <laughs> fantastic alternative country singer. No, that's not the one. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, good good that you, you found the Baseball America. So this is kind of funny how both lists can be like entirely different. Oh, completely. And, and anytime I go to look for the list, I'll find a list and, and, you know, I'm reading it and it goes, uh, Hunter Bishop is number one. I got, nah, this is a, <laughs> a very outdated list. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, you know, the Giants just drafted him not too long ago, but I don't know why he's number one. And so, yeah, when you're looking at those lists, if you go to the, I'm just telling this to the people who are listening. If you go to the Giants website, they have a list, but that one's outdated as well. I think it's like the beginning of last season. Mm. Uh, baseball, anytime you can find an article where it references Baseball America, that's pretty much the number one. Uh, yeah, that's base- the one that everyone looks forward to. Yeah, Baseball America. And I used to get Baseball America magazine, God, in the... <laughs> I'm trying to think. I used to work... Horrible job, but I'm going to I'm going to throw it out there Uh-oh, in Santa Clara. Go. Remember the Santa Clara Swim Center mm. uh, where the Olympic uh, uh, swimmers would train and they would have Olympic trials there and everything during the summer one year. If I was 15, maybe 14. I had a job as a towel boy, so I had to sit right when everybody was the, walked. Was the title of the job actually towel boy? It was towel boy. <laughs> yes. So luckily, my back was to the um, the old men who like to go for the morning swims. Mm-hmm. So they would go in there. You know, old men, they don't care. So they would strip down and just walk around the locker room. Yeah. So luckily, my back was to them, and I would get myself Baseball America, and there <laughs> was another one very short-lived magazine that uh tried to rival uh the sporting news and god i can't remember the national yes Yes. and that was 80s right mid 80s uh it would have been early 90s or early 90s so maybe it was early 90s where i was working there um Maybe it was like 90, 91. Yeah. So I would get those two magazines and I would just read the hell out of them because you didn't want to look up. You yeah. Just wanted, exactly. wanted, just wanted to keep looking down in those magazines. So, so yeah, I've yeah. been with Baseball America for a while. Wow. <laughs> That's a good story, huh? <laughs> I just have visions in my head right no, now. don't. It was awful. It was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. I, I think I did it for about a month and I go, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> uh, the, the reason why we didn't mention what we were drinking is because you decided to drink some yeah. tea. <clears throat> I can talk about my tea. It's a good tea. Yeah. Talk about your tea. <laughs> right. It's called, you ready? It's called nighttime relaxation. So yeah, I've been, I don't know. 
I maybe I had a little too much red wine over the weekend, but my stomach is a little acidic the past couple of days. So I've been laying off the coffee and the and the. God, I hate when that happens. I know it's just it's, it's just, all that is is literally a reminder that we are in our forties. That's oh literally God. what it is. Yes. No. And yeah, I had a cup of coffee this morning and I started getting nauseous again. My wife goes, are you drinking coffee again? And I go, yeah, Mildred, I'm drinking my coffee. <laughs> getting my, my sour tummy. So tonight I'm having nighttime relaxation, but check this out. It's got uh, passion flower, chamomile and hops in it. So I'm kind wow. of drinking a beer. Wow. Kind of. <laughs> I never heard of tea with hops in it. Yeah. My wife found it at, uh, I think this is, uh, let's see, Simple Truth, whoever that is. I think I think that's our local Smiths, our local uh, uh, supermarket here. But yeah, it's good. I like it. So just trying to keep the stomach from getting weird again. So I, you know, like I said, I like to change it up. I, I, I get kind of bothered when I come back with a drink that I just had recently. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, do you, have, do you drink gin? You know what? I have a gin and I did have one on the air. I, I say on the air. Well, like how, how old am I? <laughs> I did have one on one of our podcasts um, back a while ago. It's a local uh, distillery that makes gin and I like it. And this time of year, not so much. But during the summer, I, I had it with... Um, just like club soda and I, mm-hmm. and I threw a little lime in there. I thought it was really good. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's pretty much what I'm drinking. Uh, my wife and I, we had gone to a distillery in Northern California. This would have been gosh, last year, maybe b- probably like a month or two before the pandemic, if, if I can remember correctly. And uh, went to the distillery and, you know, just, I just like talking about this stuff with those guys because they're, you know, they're, they're pretty knowledgeable and they'll kind of give you a little bit of insight about, you know, how this is made, how that is made. But then they'll tell you like, yeah, like this is what we're really good at. And, and so they mentioned the gin was like their best thing. And, and so I, I've never really been a gin person, but, you know, we got a bottle and we brought it back. And the thing that I really enjoyed is it pretty much exactly what you said. Uh, put some, uh, you know, some Perrier sparkling water, uh, some gin and like uh, lemon juice. And it's called, I think they call it like a gin fizz. There's probably tons of different names for it, but it is very refreshing. I do the same thing with tequila which is a little bit of a different taste and then also i can i can do it with vodka which is again a different taste but all of them are very refreshing so i made sure because uh we had we had uh bought some we'd bought some vodka and we'd bought some some gin because crystal had found some recipes of like these like low carb drinks using uh liquor and you know not using syrup or sugar or whatever. But, uh, and so gin, you know, that was one of them was, was to do with some berries and stuff. So, so we'd bought the gin and I just like, I just like it with the, with the soda water and, and the, the lemon juice. It's, it's delightful. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's what I need to do is get away from some of the more acidic stuff, uh, like the red wine. Like last night I was going to have, I was feeling pretty good and I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll just have a, uh, you know, a bourbon. I, I, broke out the, uh, the charcoal grill and I was going to throw some, uh, some pork chops on there. And, and so I was like, Oh, I'll have a bourbon while I'm doing that. It's, you know, 38 degrees outside. Might as well warm up while I'm out there. And then my wife goes, Oh, I was going to open a nice bottle of red. I go, Oh, well, okay. I'll have that. So I think, and I only had two glasses, but I think the acidity from that sometimes gets me, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, working from home in a pandemic, I, I, I can get to like a fourth cup of coffee without oh, yeah. even thinking about it. Like so quick. Oh my God. <laughs> like this morning. So the kids are back in school, like in person school. Today was their first day back. And so the alarm hits at 530. So 530, I, I think by 550, I'm done with my first cup of coffee and I'm already hitting my second one. So, uh, that, that, that could be a problem, right? <laughs> that could be the yeah, stomach and, issues. And, and so, <laughs> you know, for someone like you, cause I know you've had that before, which, yeah. which I think the, what do they call it? GERD or something like that? Yeah. You just get the, the, it's not heartburn, but right. it's like close to heartburn. 
yeah, and it causes like a, a closure of the throat a little bit. So tonight, you know, <clears throat> I got a little a little tightness in the throat just from all the acidity the last couple of days. So, yeah, I, I just kind of have to watch that stuff. And but but you know what? I got a workout in today. And I closed all three of my rings. Nice. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I mean, that, yeah. that helps in the in fixing that as well. Yeah, for Exercising sure. Exercising and sure. diet as well helps. Yeah. Um, all right. So last couple things before we get out of here. There was also the international uh, prospect. Is it a draft or is it just a signing? It's just a signing, right? Yeah, I think it's a bidding. It's like a bidding process. Got um, it. And I don't know much about it, but I know that there are limits with prices that you can spend, and there are all kinds of crazy rules with it. And the Giants have like, you know, their pool. So you have a pool of money, and the Giants this year, their pool was like five point three million that they could spend. And they only got. Um they only got one of the top 100, which is I saw that as as maybe a little bit of like a critique of their spend. But, uh, you know, I, I saw an article about all the guys that they grabbed. Where so is there that 34 players is what they grabbed, which is crazy. Um, and D- Diego Velasquez of Venezuela is the guy who's in the top 30 list. He's at number 22. So it's a top 30 list, not a top 100 list. Um, $900,000 switch hitting. They think he can be a plus defender with a plus arm. Um, so he's uh, he's an infielder and switch hitting infielder. So that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, it's kind of... It, the thing that makes it hard is like at least with these uh these prospects for the for the uh the US draft either there were college players and and if you and I don't really follow college baseball like I used to but you know the big names just because you know once draft time comes you know there's lots of information about them and then there's like certain high school guys who are like the top guys and you start to read about them like two or three weeks for the draft starts but you uh, you almost never hear anything about these international players unless you're really following that stuff closely well and and college players are easier to scout um, easier to see on TV here in the United States, but the Giants have really built up their international facilities over the years, um, and and that that's been a big deal because they were out of. I remember re- reading an article about three or four years ago, and and they were completely almost out of uh, signing players that were international. But they had to go with other people's scouting reports. They had to see who was bidding on who and kind of jump in on that. Um, but now they're to the point where they have a couple of really nice facilities. Um, Oh, and so they're able to really kind of watch these guys, put them into game situations. Um, they, they, you know, basically pick teams and they, and they watch these guys go at it and kind of scout from there uh, to kind of give you an idea though, like how far out a lot of these guys are. Uh, Velasquez is uh, six foot one, 150 pounds <laughs> <laughs> and he's 16 years old. So we're not going to see him like, you know, in the next two or three years, it's going to be, you know, probably four or five years from now if we do end up seeing some of these guys. Yeah. He won't even be in like, the competitive a ball for a little while no no it'll be a couple of years i, I like he, i, I kind of wonder like when you draft someone who's 16 and then he goes to whatever the the lowest minor league system is like they have they have to have like mentors for these guys right i i would think so because a lot of times too first time in the united states for some of these guys and now they've got money in their pocket and so you know i'm sure it's just like anywhere else they probably have host families that they live with um like when you know we were broadcasting for the san jose giants a lot of those guys they just didn't make a whole lot of money mm-hmm. in a ball so they had um you know, host families that they would live with. Um, and they would kind of help them out around town. Like, here's where you go for this. Here's where you go for that. So, uh, but I'm sure it takes a lot more, uh, for a kid coming out of Venezuela, who's, you know, 16 years old and coming to the United States. It's like, you know, um, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into that schooling still as well, but, but from my understanding, and I think, a lot of these guys stay back 
in their home countries and continue to train at the Giants facilities now that they're signed by the Giants. Mm, that makes um, sense. And I think that's why the Giants really wanted to build up in, uh, let's see, the Dominican Republic, uh, Curacao, Colombia, Mexico, Panama, Venezuela. So they've really built up these international uh, facilities just to just to house these guys and say, look, you can stay home. Got you signed. Get your schooling still going. Uh, get you everything you need. Kind of mentor you, like you were saying, heading into the United States. So when they maybe hit 18 years old and they're ready to hit a ball at that point, it's not a, a drastic change for them. Mm hmm. All right. So the last thing is last week we played a game where you gave me uh, two options and I had to pick which option uh, I liked the best. What was that game called again? Well, I called it. I don't even remember what I called it. I think I called it what if, but I like yours better. You, you, <laughs> either or. <laughs> either or, because that's really what it was. Would you rather have this or that? Not, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the would you rather. Uh, yeah, would you kind rather. Of, that's what you I mean, it. that kind of covers it. But yeah, it was more like you, you can have this or you can have that. <laughs> All right. So I had one that I thought was pretty interesting. And I guess... The thought behind it is in this run from 2010 through 2014, where they won three championships, there were two players who I think kind of exemplified the team uh, or, or became the most well-known or became the the giant that, that you would think of uh, when it comes to those teams. And in 2012, it's Buster Posey. 2014, it's Madison Bumgarner. And I started to wonder about their Hall of Fame chances. We've talked about Buster already on this show as a catcher. What are his chances for the Hall of Fame? He probably needs to hit a little bit more in these last few, few years of his career. And then I started wondering about Bumgarner. Bumgarner doesn't have the gaudy Clayton Kershaw regular season stats. He has the gaudy postseason stats. And so my question to you is, if only one of those guys could make the Hall of Fame, which one would you choose and why? That is tough. I'm pulling up their numbers as we speak. And we gave the argument for Buster Posey's um, Hall of Fame bid, um, you know, I don't know, probably 10, 15 shows back or so. Yeah. Um, that is, that's really tough. So Bumgarner has won over 12 years, 120 games. I mean, this this last year was kind of a wash. That was just an ugly, ugly year for him. That changed um, a lot of his numbers for the worse. He only pitched in nine games, um, but only, but, you know, through 41 and two-thirds inning, only struck out 30, but he gave up 13 home runs in 41 innings. So his home runs per nine were 2.8. He'd never done that with the Giants before. He'd never gone over 1.8. And that was his rookie season. Well, you can't even call it his rookie season. It was the the 10 innings he pitched in in 2009. Um, but I, I, would, I think I would have to go with Buster Posey just because of the body of work. Now, that's not to say that, I mean, because Bumgarner is only 30. He's going to go into the season at 31 years old. He... He could, if, if he rediscovers himself, the way he pitches and being a left-hander, he could go another six or seven years. No, no problem. And probably make a couple more postseasons, but not with the Diamondbacks. It'd have to be with somebody else because I, I don't see the Diamondbacks doing anything. But he, he could get traded, you know, July of this year, July of next year to a contender. Um but at this point, I'd have to say I would, if I had to pick one and I could put one in automatically, I would go with Buster Posey um, only because of the larger body of work, the catcher position, uh, the comeback from the injury, the MVP award, uh, award after the injury. Um, the he, he, I mean, you could say that Buster Posey dominated 10, 12, and 14 behind the plate. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's three World Series that he mastered a, a pitching staff. Three, I'd say two awesome pitching staffs and one Madison Bumgarner. Um, so so I'm going to go with Posey on that one. That's a tough call, though. That, that's a great question. I like that one. Yeah, I think Bumgarner, when you look at the totality of his regular season, I, I don't think he'd ever won... 20 games, which is not that big of a deal anymore. No, back, he, back in the day when we were younger, yeah. that was kind of the the landmark. Um, he did win I, 18 twice, back-to-back years. He uh, did 14 he, and 15. ERA never won, you know, an, an, an ERA uh, award, but it, it was, you know, when the postseason came, that's where he shined. And it, I don't know how much credit they're going to give him for his postseason career if the the regular season numbers don't stand up because uh, you know he if you put him against his peers uh, lots of his peers have better regular season numbers than him and then he's got you know two uh, the 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 championships and the postseason so it's kind of interesting how they will look at that i don't know what is the landmark for for pitchers now as far as starters like what how many wins would he need to get to do you think or again like that's such an outdated statistic but what are, what are some of the landmarks that we see guys who are considered for the hall of fame i, I don't know you know, with starting pitchers today, what that really looks like. You know, and honestly, I, I don't know either. And I wonder if they're just kind of starting to lean more towards war and, and his, his career war is 31.9. Um, last year knocked him down a bit. His, his war last year was minus 0.3. <laughs> uh, so that kind of hurts you a little bit, but he had stretches there with the giants where his war, uh, 2013 was, uh, was a uh, 3.7. Uh, no, sorry, 4.0. And then the next year, 3.7, then 5, then 4.8, then 3.1. So he had a consistent run of war in there. Um, and, and I would imagine that's what they lean a little bit more towards. Because, yeah, like you said, I mean, if a guy can get 300 wins, now nowadays you're not going to. But if a guy can get 300 wins, that's, that's more of a longevity stat. And you were on some good teams. Um, your ERA has to kind of, kind of match that, uh, your war has to match that. Um, so you look at a guy like CC Sabathia, yeah. his war for his career was 62.5. So it's double Chris sale. 45.3 which Bumgarner with a few good years he he could catch he could catch up to Chris Sale. Yeah. Uh Felix Hernandez is at a 50. Tim Hudson 57.9. Some of that is just the longevity of a guy like Hudson. So when you look at War, he definitely has a way to go. But you know what? Buster Posey's War as a uh as an offensive player is only 41.8 for his career right now. So that is, that's also something that if you were to look at that number, uh, you may, uh, you may give him a few demerit points. Mark Burley, who, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you think Mark Burley's a hall of fame pitcher? Cause his war is 59. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we, we've seen, it's such a weird era, uh, right? Because Burley pitched more in the, uh, steroid home run era, um, a, a little bit more than, than, and Bumgarner didn't. Bumgarner started right yep. around when that was all done. Burley came in at the year 2000. Yeah. So it, uh, 10 years before Bumgarner. Um, and so Bumgarner's, uh, you know, it's, so, so it's really hard to look at a guy like Burley and say, well, the pitchers of that era, who, who are the guys? I mean, Roger Clemens still isn't in. Mm -hmm. uh, do you look at a guy like Burley and say, but Burley can be in. Uh, I, I mean, you, at that point you still have to say, I don't care what Clemens did. Uh, you got to put Clemens in first before you put a guy like Mark Burley in. Um, Andy that, Pettit. Yeah. Andy Pettit's got to go in before Burley. Um, all those guys from that era. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting the way that this thing kind of shakes out. 
um, you know, Pettit's his, uh, wait, what was his war? Pettit's war is, uh, at 60.2. So yeah, kind of just an interesting thing. This whole hall of fame credentials where we, you know, we talked about Will Clark and, and him missing out. Um, the, it, I would hope that Buster and Bumgarner both get, good shakes at it but you know that 75 percent or whatever would that that uh voting percentage to get in it's 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 tough and it's tough for a reason so well i have bookmarked the jaws leaders i think we talked about that when we talked about posey and his hall of fame bid um jaws is uh let's see developed by jay jaffe and introduced on baseball prospectus Jaws contains a combination of career and seven-year peak war totals, allowing for comparison to average Hall of Famers by position. So catcher Jaws, all-time, Buster Posey is 16th on the list. Everybody ahead of him except for two players are in the Hall of Fame. So that should tell you, again, when you're looking at position, it's totally different because because when you look at Baumgartner, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many pitchers ahead of Bumgarner who are probably going to get into the Hall of Fame before him. Mm-hmm. Buster Posey, I mean, the next guy who's active right now who's playing is Yadier Molina. Yeah. And Posey's 16th on that list. And Molina, where, where would you think he's at? Right around there? Uh, let me think here. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit below Buster. Yeah, 24th. So yeah. he's actually eight places below him. And in between... Posey and Yadier Molina, there's two Hall of Famers. So that that's kind of what you're looking at there is the catcher position is so unique. Um, I would love to see Bumgarner get in there. He's only 30. I, I want to see him have, you know, I want to see him have a, a couple of great seasons going forward because, you know, we like the guy. Yeah. He's got to stay off the dirt bike. He's got to <laughs> quit being a hothead. I mean, those are a couple of things because that really hurt him. I mean, really when it comes down to it, he was having a good season before he hurt himself on the dirt yeah. bike. Yeah. And that was, uh, what was that? 2017. And he was having a fairly decent season. He was four and nine, not a great season, but a 3.32 ERA. Um, 2017 Giants were not great, so they just weren't scoring runs for him. But Last question. Yep. Where would you put Bumgarner in the rankings of giant starters that you've seen with your own eyes? Oh, top five easily. So it's got to be Lincecum one. Yeah. Lincecum, Kane. Kane is there, though. I would say I, I would put Bumgarner ahead of Kane. Hmm. Um, I don't know. When Kane was on, because I would go, me personally, I'd actually put Oh man, that's a tough one. I might have to think. We might have to numbers wise. Bumgarner's numbers are are more impressive than Kane's. Kane was, you know, he was a workhorse, and he had uh, there was one or two good seasons where where he his ERA was lights out. But you know, he was your you know three point three ERA. You know, win twelve games. The Giants would historically not hit for him for whatever right. reason. Yeah, exactly. They score eight runs the night before, <laughs> and then score one or two the next day. But I think I, I think with my own eyes, and this is not favorite because we did our favorite yeah, yeah. position players a few episodes ago, and that was Kruko for me, uh, Kruko and Lincecum. But I, I think you know because because if, if we name off some of the other guys, Jason Schmidt, well, he's top five, yeah. would be up there, right? Yeah. Um, and I th- I think I think it'd be like it'd probably be something to like Lincecum, Bumgarner. Schmidt, Kane, Kane, Schmidt. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any guys. I mean, you know, in in sort of that early to mid '90s, you had uh, Burkett, but I, I don't think he was there long enough and and consistent enough and, to be the guy. Swift, you know, Rick, we we were, were, were mentioned like, Big Daddy Rick Russell, yeah, who uh, who was good. He was really good. I mean, he'd probably be right in that top six or seven, yeah, for the Giants historically. The but yeah, that's man. it. That's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting thing to look at. I, maybe one of these days we'll look at uh, you know the 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 top pitchers or the top players instead of our favorites the the top players at each position. Yeah, 
No, I like that. That's a good idea because, uh, you know, you're starting to pop all these names into your head like Kelly Downs. I mean, again, these guys were nowhere near and different eras. You know, everything was different eras. Uh, as long I, as you I, don't say Buffy Lacoste. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was uh, he was a tough one to watch. I liked him, <laughs> but, you know, he was a, he was him and the caveman, Don Robinson. They were, you know. They, so they had their I, I, I literally just threw in a season that the Giants were good. Yeah. I look at 1997. Sean Estes' age 24 season. He went 19 and 5, 3.18 ERA. A terrific hits per innings pitched. Uh, struck, walked a lot of guys, but also struck out a lot of guys. And so, but he wouldn't even really, I don't, I, I don't know, was Sean Estes in your top 10 of well, no, like, that's greatest? A, that's a single season. I mean, he, he, he wasn't consistent. In terms of that type of season. Yeah. I mean, that was his outstanding outrage. Right. That was his season. apex. Yeah. His apex and, season. And you're not going to see that again from him. And you didn't see it again. So. I mean, if Russ Ortiz doesn't, you know, doesn't get the ball, doesn't, doesn't get the hook. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Russ's career goes a little bit of a different way. Cause he, that one season, the season where, uh, you know, actually the season before they, uh, what is it? No, it's a few seasons before they went to the World Series. He was a stud. And uh, yeah, interesting. He, he, Russ had some pretty good seasons uh, where he won like, you know, 17 games, 18 games. And then that 2002 season, he won 14 games. But he uh, he had one of the better ERAs. So that's another one where you're like, what like what happened to that dude? He was he was a workhorse and then he just kind of fell off. And he did he end up in Texas from what I remember? Let's see. Where did Russ go? Yeah, that's that this is a good one to do. I I, I would wouldn't be against even doing it on the next show because I wanna go back and look at the, some of these guys just so I can cross like Sidney Ponson off the list. <laughs> you know, just go through and just with a red marker and say, Nope, not Sidney Ponson. <laughs> What about the great Brett Tomko? Nope, not Brett Tomko either. <laughs> Jerome Williams with the puka shells. <laughs> oh, man. The promise that kid had. Though. I know. I, um, he was so fun to watch, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, th that's it from here. Maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll look into that for the next show. That's actually a fun exercise. I'm kind of like I'm kind of scrolling through Baseball Reference now, going like, okay, all these guys I don't even really remember until I, I see their names, and then I I know we're clearly missing somebody. Them. I know we got Lincecum, Kane, Bumgarner, Schmidt, and we're missing maybe maybe Kruko is it. I mean, it, yeah, know, it could be Kruko. He could be number five. It's not Noah Lowry. No, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Another promising guy. That it's not Zito. It's not Sanchez. It's not Zito. bad Sanchez. No. All right. All right. We're not even good now. Sanchez. Not even good Sanchez. We're babbling now, but that's it from here. Uh, so we will uh, be back next week. And hopefully we'll have some more news on the road to spring training. Hopefully Major League Baseball will make some decisions and we'll sort of figure things out. But uh, anyway, for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.